It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome in. It's Utah's World Podcast. Tom Hackett, Steve Barter with you guys as always. We've got a fun show lined up for you, as we do every week. Uh, but we, we must start with uh, the promo from Nate Wade Subaru, our beloved sponsors. It's, it's not too late. If you're in the mood for a new furry friend, a new dog, uh, head on down to West Valley City Animal Shelter. And if you adopt the dog there, Nate Wade Subaru will be donating $100 to the shelter uh, to support dogs that are in need. Really cool initiative. Uh, and not all that car related, which is uh, which is neat. So Nate Wade Subaru doing good work within the community as they have been doing for over 50 years now. The longest Subaru, or the oldest Subaru dealership in all of North America. Right here in our backyard, Nate Wade Subaru, we love uh, and adore them dearly. Steve, my man, what's happening? How you doing? I'm good, bro. How are you doing, Tom? I'm good, dude. I'm good. It's uh, Friday morning, and we're recording this, so this will come out today. And uh, oh, what's the latest in my world? Not a, not a ton, you know. Got up at about seven thirty, eight o'clock, as I normally do. Fed the kid, put him down. Haven't quite had time to shower yet, but did have a chance to uh, to de- to devour uh, some French toast for breakfast. What's your morning? What's your morning entailed? Man, not as good as yours. Uh, we uh, I did not have French toast. I now desperately want French toast. You, never mind, I, I won't bring them up. I love French toast. I'm a big French toast guy, but uh, morning's been good so far. I got a little shout out from Coach Whittingham on the engagement. What uh, happened? Yeah, so pretty crazy. Uh, did not expect that, but we were on the Zoom call and um, – this was the first time that I've asked Witt a question in these media availabilities. He's a very intimidating person on these Zoom meetings. Just I had to work up the courage to ask a question. So today was that day. Nice. And, uh, you know, he, he didn't skip a beat. He was like, did, some, did I hear that you're engaged? I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah, actually, yeah. And he's just like, well, congrats. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> You know, how about that? A shout out from Coach Witt. So that was, that's been my morning. But uh, but still, I would trade that for some French toast right now. So <laughs> no doubt. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I've been there. Um, and uh, it's, it is intimidating. You know, I remember when I first started in the media, you know, for the first year or two, I'd go to these press conferences. And, and it's tricky because... Um, and we don't need to talk a ton about this necessarily, but, you know, th- there is like a seniority, you know, yeah. kind of list, right? It's like Dirk Facer generally jumps in right at the top. Oh. He's bang. He's the first guy that gets to ask the question. And then there's kind of this like this this list that isn't, you know, necessarily solidified. It's it's not all that credible. But, you know, as a, as a member of the media, you have a pretty good understanding where you rank on the list. Yeah. It's like if you're young, you know, regardless kind of how much work you do 
you know, if you're or young, how many the guy awards you have to your name, like, yeah, there's uh, still you just you, you know you know where you are in the uh, there's in a pecking the, in order. the old pecking order. Thank you, that's the word I'm I'm looking for. So uh, I did I remember those days. Uh, fortunately, I, I I still obviously do some Utah football stuff, but I, I I focus a lot of my attention for my day job with uh, with Real Salt Lake. And you know, what's different about Real Salt Lake is I'm on those media calls. There's only like three of us on there. Oh, <laughs> which makes life a lot. Boom, boom, boom. Get yeah, it makes, three or four of us, you know, generally it's like uh, Alex Vahar, James Edward, and sometimes DJs on there. And, uh, and so that, that does simplify things. I must say when, when you're interviewing athletes or um, coaches, you know, it's like sometimes if, if there's only two of you on there, right. Then if you don't ask a question, the yeah. interview's over. It's over. That's so like, all right, no hold back. Let's go. But in U- Utah football, it's not the way. Uh, no. I-, I imagine they have quite a few people on those Zoom calls in the morning and, um, you know, that there, there is a pecking order. So um, congratulations, Steve. That, I, I remember, um, and I can't quite p- pinpoint exactly kind of the, the question or the time frame, but I, I just remember asking my first question in one of those settings and, and just being relieved, you know, like, yeah. whew, I'm glad that's over. Now hopefully we can get the ball moving gain momentum yeah no that's exactly it man like Sioni Puha you know Vianney Moala Bronson Boyd like I'm like boom 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 I'm asking all these guys questions but once as soon as coach Witt steps on the stage steps in front of that camera I'm like oh god oh boy and is today the day today was the day for me I asked my question and uh you know it it was pretty cool but um you know a lot of a lot of positive talk with Utah football a lot of um, I, a lot of optimism, but still some uh, some concerns about their play and, and what he hopes to see. But uh, and we'll talk all about that, I'm sure, in today's episode. Yeah, we will. We'll kind of give you guys a, a breakdown of how the week unfolded and uh, and and what you guys may have missed necessarily. But I do want to start with uh, something from Pro Football Focus. Um, it, I mean, like Jalen Johnson and, and Julian Blackman have been uh, rather impressive in the NFL to date, um, and Pro Football Focus has, has 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 essentially ranked all of the newcomers to the league, and they've they've put Julian Blackman as the number one ranked safety uh, rookie safeties, uh, and they've also had they also have. Julian Blackman is the number one cornerback when it comes to pass breakups. And I believe, Steve, it was last week where uh, the Colts were taking on the Bengals and uh, Julian Blackman came up with the game-saving interception uh, less than a minute uh, in the contest to secure the Colts the victory. It's just been a a remarkable rise uh, for both these players, hasn't it? No, it, it definitely has. And to see them making this type of impact, um, it's surprising and not surprising. Uh, just, you know, from where Julian was, you know, coming from his injury and that kind of thing, I think there's a little bit more surprise from that point of view. But in terms of these guys, uh, in terms of their ability and their talent level, this is not a surprise. Utah fans – uh, were, were all over this, have expected this, and knew that these guys would be, you know, big-time players in the NFL uh, for, for quite a long time. We've talked about them. We've seen them. And uh, it really speaks to 
Utah's player development in the program, specifically in that defensive secondary with Coach Shaw and Coach Scally and what they demand of these players um, on the field, but also in their preparation off the field. And I think that's something where uh, it, it isn't highlighted as much um, or as much as it should be, but Utah prepares their players as much off the field um, as they do on the field. So uh, it's fantastic to see these guys playing well. Julian Blackman has made a couple really big plays. Jalen Johnson has been just unbelievable. He's been the best rookie cornerback in a group, in a class of you know really talented cornerbacks, but he's been the cream of the crop. Uh, and uh, just really exciting to see these guys playing at such a high level on the uh, on the NFL field. Yeah, so just to recap, Julian Blackman, Julian Blackman highest-graded rookie safety, Jalen Johnson has forced the most uh, incompletions among rookie cornerbacks. And, you know, Steve, we, we, we talk a lot on this podcast about recruiting. Um, I guess that's kind of your niche, if you will, um, as well as other things. But but this is the sort of stuff when – when this is marketed the correct way and, and advertised, this is the sort of stuff that really could catapult uh, the program, the University of Utah program, and, and recruits out there, you know, I'm sure are taking notice. They spend enough time on social media and they come across these sort of stats and numbers. And, uh, you know, when you've got a pair, you know, not just one, but a pair of, of Utah uh, defensive backs making the sort of impact they're making so quickly in the NFL, you know, you, you have to imagine as an 18 year old, you know, if you're, if you're quite highly talented and, and four or five star sort of kid, uh, you look at, you, you have to look at Utah now and say, well, uh, not only are they, are they developing the, these sorts of talents at the college level, but it's, it's transforming into the NFL and the success now is happening at the highest level where, you know, every kid wants to end up playing due to the money, you know, financially. That's where that's where the, the bread is cut, so to speak. So I, I sure hope um, this has some sort of an effect on recruiting, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And just the fact that Utah was able to, to develop Jalen Johnson into an NFL early – uh, early, uh, you know, the fact that he declared early um, and just his career at Utah alone uh, was a big reason why Clark Phillips elected to come to Utah over Ohio State. Um, just having that blueprint of what Jalen Johnson was able to accomplish in his time at Utah was enough to win Clark Phillips. And now that Jalen Johnson, you know, was having success in the NFL. That's just added ammunition for Utah to use uh, for other cornerbacks. Uh, this class next year as well, uh, Utah is in the in in the game uh, with another four-star cornerback this year in Sierra Wright, who is one of the top cornerbacks. He's not as highly rated as Clark Phillips, but he's up there. He's he's a top 100, top 75 type kid. Uh, he's considering USC, Michigan. ASU, Oregon, and Utah is right there with them. And, you know, the fact that Jalen Johnson is having so so much success is only going to help Utah's chances in that recruitment. Uh, and then, you know, having Julian Blackman, a local kid, who maybe wasn't as highly touted, but 
has has come into the program, has bought into the player development, uh, and is having success. You know, that's resulted in a lot of other safeties wanting to come to Utah. Um, you know, Darian Stewart, the the kid from from Las Vegas that committed a couple months ago, he pointed to Utah's player development and their track record in the secondary as, as the biggest reason why he wanted to come to Utah. Um, you know, and, and Utah is recruiting other safeties as well. And this is all stuff that the coaching staff is going to use and going to utilize in the recruitment of kids this year and down the road. It's, it's a big, big tool that this staff can use for sure. I think when you look at Utah uh, over the last handful of years, anyway, it's, it's certainly been, you know, defensive heavy um, when you, when you, when you consider the sort of talent that Utah's producing on the defensive side of the ball and then uh, what they're, what they're able to accomplish at the next level. And, and I was actually having this conversation with a friend of mine yesterday and, and he brought up an interesting point. Uh, you know, we were talking about the linebackers and he said, you know, I'm surprised we don't have like four or five Devin Lloyds. Uh, yeah. And I, you know, he kind of went on to say, with how the Utah defensive line for so many years now has just eaten up blocks, you know, the, the, the linebackers have such a su- such an easier job at the University of Utah in comparison to other programs uh, because they, they don't have these big offensive linemen that are making their way into the secondary, you know, into the linebacking position, trying to block them because they're, they're having a double team, the likes of Lakey Fotu or Bradley and I, or, or this year, I imagine Mika Tafua, Max Tupai, they're going to eat up a handful of double teams between them. And, and uh, the nose tackle has always been very dangerous for Utah. You know, it surprises me. And it's, you know, the, the more my friend was kind of talking about it, I, I, I tend to agree with him. You know, I hope this this has a trickle down effect where recruits are going. Okay, they've got a really good secondary. You know, Julian Blackman, Jalen Johnson doing some things. Now we got Clark Phillips, and we're in we're in um, in line to potentially pick up some other big recruits in the secondary. But but can it trickle down? You know, further in linebackers, and I I say that with all due respect. Of course, I feel like we've had pretty good linebackers over the years. When I played, Johnny Paul, Jared Norris, formidable. Um, yeah. And then, of course, you had Cody Barton uh, and and Chase Hansen, uh, who were exceptional. Uh, and last year, obviously, uh, uh, Devin Lloyd and um, and what's his bucket? Who's with the, the Cowboys now? It's just Francis Bernard. Francis Bernard, thank you. Uh, and so they have had, but none of them have been really all that highly talented recruits, have they? Um, right. Right. I guess you could argue Chase Hansen was, but he was a quarterback, and then he went to safety, yeah. and then eventually he found his. Uh, found his uh, spot at, at linebacker. But, you know, I just wonder uh, how long is it going to take now for Utah to really start picking up four or five-star kids, not just in the secondary, but on the defensive line and also and also at linebacker? Yeah, well, you know what? They're, they're, they're already starting to capitalize on, on this momentum. Uh, they've got one four-star linebacker committed. They're in the game with another four-star linebacker uh, which is basically a three-team race, and I'm talking about Ethan Calvert, uh, who's you know he's got two brothers, one's at UCLA and and the others at Washington. Utah was both in, involved with them previously, but you know Utah has their best shot at at Ethan Calvert, who many think is the best of the three, and you know that's a, a three-team race with USC and UCLA and Utah, and you know that's. He's cited specifically the fact that Utah has such a strong defensive line traditionally as a reason for 
his interest in Utah, among many other things, obviously. But he's cited that very thing specifically as a big reason why, you know, he would like to play at Utah. And and you're starting to see that uh, what you were just talking about, Tom, you're starting to see that where Utah is now starting to pick up these more highly touted linebackers, not to, to you know, make light of or, or to diminish or minimize the, the great linebackers that Utah has had in years past, but they're now capitalizing on their success that they had on the recruiting trail this year. They've got one four-star kid, and then they've got two other kids uh, that are borderline four-star quality types. Uh, and it's it's really exciting to see them finally start to capitalize, specifically with high school kids. They've been able to bring in some JUCO guys and transfers and that kind of thing, but uh, they're really, really starting to, to hit their stride uh, at linebacker with the high school kids this year. Uh, and it, it's, it's to your point exactly, just the defensive success as a whole is a big reason, but playing behind those two defensive tackles uh, each and every game and having them eat up blocks and having that freedom to just roam sideline to sideline uh, is is really starting to hit home with a lot of these highly more highly touted recruits. Well, I can tell you, you know, part of the success the secondary has had, the likes of Julian Blackman, Jalen Johnson, has been because of the, the defensive line. I think I think yeah. when you look at the game of football, Steve, uh, and by no means am I uh, any expert uh, outside of of the punting position, but but on the offensive and defensive side, it all starts in the trenches. I mean, yeah. that's that's where the going gets tough and the tough gets going, and that's where ball games are won and ball games are lost. And if you can win in the trenches, then you can win football games. And whether you're winning on the offensive side or the defensive side, you know, or, or hopefully both, then yeah. then then you're going to win more football games than not. And uh, and as a linebacker, my goodness, playing behind a defensive line where, as you mentioned, you, you can have the freedom to run sideline to sideline. Uh, your responsibility is far more free. You don't have to worry about offensive guards pulling and getting into the secondary and trying to navigate your way around big 300-pound men trying to bury you into the turf. I mean, you know, the, the, these linebackers have a really good... I remember when I was playing, uh, and I can't remember if Coach Witt said this to the media, but... But I, I remember him telling us as players, jokingly, of course, uh, to the team, you, you know, he feels like he could play linebacker behind the defensive line, you know, even at his age. And, of course, yeah. co- Coach was, was a former linebacker himself, so he knows the position very well. But, but you know, he's going on bloody 60 years of age, and, and, and he's even considering kind of strapping him back up and getting back out there and seeing what he's capable of because of that defensive line, man. I mean, they he's just – probably good. <laughs> It probably could, you know. I would. I'd pay a lot of money to see it. I'd pay a lot of money to see Coach Witt suit up in a Pac-12 game just for three snaps. Just what yeah. are you capable of? How tough are you mentally, really? Huh? How tough are you, man? <laughs> oh, that'd be good. Uh, let's transition to the offensive side. Well, let's uh, let's take a pause and and. Um, before we go to the offensive side, we can kind of give you a breakdown as to what's unfolded. Obviously, the big quarterback battle is uh, still occurring, uh, still in the heat of it, if you will. But but what were what were the big uh, takeaways from not only today but throughout this entire week? If you were to kind of recap the week, Steve, from all of the the, the Zoom meetings you've been on at eight a.m. sharp every morning, what 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 are the takeaways? Well, it certainly sounds like the offense is ahead of the defense. And 
and Coach Whittingham made the point today that that should be expected at this point with what the Utah what Utah returns on the offensive side of the ball, you know, outside of the the quarterback position where you've got to replace you know Tyler Huntley, uh, Zach Moss, you got to replace him as well. Uh, but there's there's a lot of confidence in the running backs um, and their ability just to kind of keep things going in the run game. Uh, but the offense has clearly been ahead of the defense uh, just with uh, the skilled players that they have returning. It's now year two under Andy Ludwig. And um, that continuity has really helped the offense. Players are, are you know, comf- comfortable and confident in executing what they're, what they're asked. And now, you know, with – Ludwig having just the the foundation of his offense set in piece last or set in place, you know, last season, he's now able to kind of add some things, add some wrinkles, add some other features to the offense, uh, which will really keep Utah's offense ahead of the game uh, in in camp and that kind of thing. So uh, it sounds like the offense is really playing well, particularly the pass catchers. Sounds like they're um, living up to expectations of them uh there's obviously they're one of the deepest most talented groups on the roster this season and it sounds like they're they're you know they're playing like it so uh that's good to hear um and you know quarterback battle is going to go down to the wires it sounds like but uh utah is really really confident in uh in what they have there in the, in the two quarterbacks three quarterbacks with lisk in there too uh sounds like they're they're pretty confident in, in what they've got in the room yeah, no, that's 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 exciting to hear. I'm sure for all Utah fans, uh, and and kind of the word that I've heard from from the quarterback battle has been it is it's it's a battle with two two I should say really really good quarterbacks that that both offer very different skill sets, uh, which is which is really exciting. I think personally yeah. for, for Utah, you've got you've got Cam Rising who can utilize kind of the, the run game himself, as well as uh, throwing the ball and airing it out. And then, of course, you've got Jake Bentley, who's more of a traditional pocket-style quarterback, drop back, and, and can, can pinpoint receivers on a dime. And, uh, and so, again, I think I mentioned this last, last week, the, the first scrimmage they had last Saturday, and they've got one again tomorrow, um, the word was that, that, uh, that Cam actually had had a better scrimmage than Jake. Now we'll kind of see where that takes us and, and what happens tomorrow because there's still uh, 16 days, I think, 15, 16 days until something Arizona. Like Say yeah. that again, Steve? Yeah, something like that, I think, yeah. 15 days. Yeah, so so there's still certainly time for the coaches to uh, feast their eyes on that talent. Hey, uh, I don't know if you were on uh, the – it was a Pac-12 webinar we, 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 when Brenton Covey spoke to a member of the media. You weren't on there. Okay, I, I'll kind of fill you in. Uh, it was midweek, uh, I think at, at 1 o'clock or so yeah. on a Wednesday. And, um, and it was fascinating to hear – uh, to hear Britain, um, and I asked him specifically about you know he he is uh, quite quite a veteran at this point. He was a freshman in 2015. He's still just junior, despite it being 2020. Uh, he's had you know a mission and um, some injuries, obviously that he's had to overcome and uh, some medical hardships, if you will. But nonetheless, I asked him, you know, with, with how with how inexperienced and young certain positions on that defensive side are. And I'm looking at kind of Clark Phillips and Nate Ritchie in particular. 
um, at strong safety and cornerback. Uh, what's his role? You know, I asked him kind of what his role was when it comes to helping them out. Because here's here's what I want people to know is is Utah footballs want this one big team uh, filled of 120 odd blokes, and every every bloke on that team has different responsibilities. Some are on special teams and and can focus solely on their craft. Others obviously are on the scout team, trying to better prepare um, the 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 ones and twos for that upcoming week. Uh, and then, of course, you've got a large group of people that that are fighting for playing time uh, on the one and two deep. And uh, and and in practice, you know, it, there's a lot on the line. Uh, so, for example, like the offense and defense will go through the majority of practice and they'll spend time with their certain position groups. So the cornerbacks will spend time with Coach Shaw uh, for the majority of the practice. And then normally at the end of practice, there's, there's what they call two-minute drill, which I'm sure many of our listeners are uh, fond of, uh, where the, the entire offense and the entire defense get together and there's a scenario on the scoreboard. Uh, and it, it's, it's something normally along the lines of the, 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 the offense gets the ball on their own 30-yard line. There's, there's two minutes and 20 seconds left. They have one timeout. They're down by three. So they've got to get into field goal range. They're going to make the kick. Or maybe they're down by a touchdown. Whatever it is, it changes from day to day. The winner of that two-minute drill generally doesn't have uh, any punishment after practice. Like, like if you lose, like if the defense surrenders up a touchdown when the offense needed the touchdown, for example, like, you know, generally speaking, the defense would have some sort of, they'd have to run or they'd be, they'd have gases, they'd have something after practice where you go, hey, you lost. Uh, this is what you have to do now. And so the, so it's almost like the team split in two. Um, and long story short, what I'm trying to get at is Britton Covey's on the offense, Clark Phillips, Nate Ritchie are two players that are on the defense, and they're going toe-to-toe, day in and day out. How do you help? How do you help these young kids on the defensive side, despite being on the offensive side, when so much is on the line in practice? And Covey told me uh, something really interesting. He said that when Nate Ritchie, uh, first arrived on campus, he actually requested that Nate, Nate's locker was directly next to Covey's. Uh, and he's been helping him, not necessarily with the physical side of things, Steve, but more so with the mental aspect and how to better prepare yourself. Nate Ritchie's a kid, obviously, from uh, the, the Valley, the, the mm-hmm. county, Utah County, who's, who's a member of the church. Britain's also a member of the church. And, and he's, he's got expectation to play and have an immediate impact, which by the way is incredibly nerve wracking for somebody of his age and youth. Yeah. And Covey understands that he, he was kind of in that same boat. So uh, Covey's been mentoring, I guess would be the word to use Nate Ritchie to try and mold him into this, this next great Utah County, Utah football uh, local product, which I, I thought was kind of neat. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, that's the stuff that we don't get to highlight a lot is just the, the, the relationships in the locker room, right? Like that's stuff that doesn't get highlighted because we're so focused on the execution of a play in a game or uh, what happened or what went wrong, you know, and, and why he didn't uh, make a read or why he, he missed an opportunity for an interception. We don't get to see what happens you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, right? Like all of that matters. And all the stuff off the field is just as important in a player adjusting to the college football level as it is adjusting on the field, right? You've got, when you're a kid like Nate Ritchie, you know, he's a four-star kid, 
Um, there are high expectations for him. He was recruited to come in and play immediately. You know, there are expectations. And Britton Covey, while he may have not had uh, the expectations that maybe Nate Ritchie does in terms of just coming in as a highly touted recruit, Utah, the Utah coaches knew what they had in Covey. They knew he was, you know, had an idea um, that he was going to be something. Um, but, you know, with Ritchie, it's so fascinating to dive into the mentality of a kid like Richie um, who has to come in and meet certain expectations when he's never done it, you know, yeah. at that level. And so the fact that Covey is taking him under his wing um, and doing all that he can to ensure that he's prepared, you know, that's fantastic to hear. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you, that's the type of stuff that, you know, we don't get to hear enough of. Yeah, I, I remember, and by the way, I'd argue that the expectation for Nate Ritchie is higher than the expectation that was on Britton Covey in 2015. Yeah. Um, if you if you look, if you think back to the wide receiving core in 2015, there was Drez Anderson, who was still around, I believe. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, Case uh, Scott. Scott was there. I mean, there were a number of guys that were solidified, experienced, and proven commodities for the Utah program, Britton Covey. I remember when he first came in, Steve, uh, I, I started to get to know him uh, in part due to the fact he thought he was only going to be a returner. He was like, I'm going to focus all my attention throughout the summer leading up to the season, just on my returning skills, uh, yeah. kick returning, punt returning. And so we would go out, you know, a couple times a week uh, and I'd, I'd hit balls to, uh, to Covey to, to practice uh, for him and for I, but, uh, that's how we kind of got to know each other quite well from an early onset, and uh, and anyway, it turned out he his 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 experience in 2015 was far greater than I think he even expected. Kind of, yeah. I just I will never forget that USC game where things weren't going right, and Travis decided to uh, put on his maroon goggles and throw three picks down the throat to Cameron Smith and. You know, nothing was going. Brent Covey was the only one. If you go and watch, yeah. go back and watch the highlights of that game or the entirety of the game, Brent Covey was the only one on the offensive side that was actually making plays. He had a big punt return. He had a couple nice uh, receptions. Nobody else could could muster anything. So um, I'm excited, man. I, I I'm excited yeah. uh, for for the upcoming season. Uh, but I, I got to tell you, you know, I. I my expectations this year just aren't that high. Um, and I'm wondering where you kind of fit in regards to that. Uh, it's just, it's the first year, Steve, in really a handful of years where you look at the roster and you go, poor, you know, I know they like these kids, Nate Ritchie, Clark Phillips, Van Fillinger, you know, like uh, Nephi Sewell's playing linebacker. He hasn't seen much game time. RJ Hubert's at safety. He looked good, but really hasn't seen many snaps yet. I mean, there's just so many question marks. I'm having a really hard time looking at this team and going, they're going to run the table. You know, I, I just don't see that happening. What about you? Uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's interesting looking at this team because clearly, you know, while they've upped the recruiting talent, you know, they're, they're bringing in some more highly touted recruits than than the guys that are, are, are leaving the program. There's a lot of excitement there. Um, you can't replace experience and you can't replace – know-how and, and uh, understanding of assignments and that kind of thing. And I think I'm most interested in seeing how the defense adjusts, you know, their, their game plans, um, you know, how they attack or how they protect in coverage. 
uh, just because, you know, looking at it, we all consider USC and ASU the, the, the two toughest games on Utah's schedule. I think everybody agrees there. Uh, you can't go into the those games with the same game plans that you did last year just because you don't have the same um, combination of experience and talent. You've got talent, but you don't have that experience. And so how are they going to adjust for those games? How are they going to game plan? And, and that's kind of the stuff that I'm really fascinated in, in seeing this year is how do the coaches adjust to what they have on the roster? I think this team, this offense – uh, is is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I think that this offense is capable of leading Utah to victories. But how do the defensive coaches, how do they get this group uh, operating at a high level? Um, you know, I, I started preparing, um, diving into Arizona for that game in two weeks. And, you know, they've got, they've got some talent. They've got some pieces in place where – that game's probably going to be a, a more difficult challenge than what people are expecting. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. I just, you know, <clears throat> I think I inhaled something bad. Um, <clears throat> uh, but, uh, but you know, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see uh, just how the coaches adjust to everything this season. Yeah, no, I, um, I'm with you, and I hope you're okay, Steve. I hope you didn't just inhale the Rona. My man, that would not have been good. You're bloody, you're like struggling over there. Well, hey, I, let's start. Let, let's let's just jump into the deep end. Um, yeah. You put out a preview on Ute Zone. If you guys aren't a member uh, of Ute Zone VIP member, uh, please go ahead and uh, and subscribe, <laughs> and uh, it'll be well worth your time. I, I promise. Um, but you put out a, an Arizona preview. So what, what do you make of the Wildcats? Uh, where, are they, where are they at their best? And, and where do you think kind of Utah can, can capitalize? You know, this is going to be interesting because I think Arizona, their strength this season is going to be their quarterback in Grant Gunnell, who was a highly touted recruit a couple years ago. And um, he's going to be a guy that will um, – Apologize. I hope that didn't come through on the recording. It's uh, all right. I could hear you. I, okay. could, I could hear you and the video. Oh, great. So that, that's the sort of content you get on YouTube, by the hey, way. You know, this is great. You know, you get you get live ads. So, um, <laughs> but Grant Cannell, I think you've got to start uh, the conversation with him because he's a talented quarterback uh, who has uh, played in high octane offenses throughout his high school career and has been brought to Arizona to continue that. So, uh, Arizona. They may not have the uh, the receiver talent of other programs in the conference like an Arizona State or like a USC, but just having that quarterback back there who now enters year two in the program under Kevin Sumlin, um, that's, uh, it's going to be a, a tougher task for this Utah defense just because, again, of what Utah has to replace on that side of the ball um, in their secondary, but – you know, that's where the conversation has to begin is with Grant Gannell, what kind of progress he makes from year one to year two, because he, you know, all the talk was about Jaden Daniels and Keaton Slovis, but we highlighted pro football focus grading Jalen Johnson and Julian Blackman really high so far. They actually graded Grant Gannell as the highest rated quarterback returning in the Pac-12 this year. He didn't have the same amount of reps and snaps as, as Slovis and Daniels, but in the limited amount of time, I think he had 
uh, like 180 passing attempts is what it was. Um, he graded the highest of, of those three guys. So he's a, he's a, a really good talent. He's a bigger kid at six foot six, um, offers some athleticism. He's no Khalil Tate, but you know, he's, he's a, a pretty prolific passer. So, um, you know, you got to start there. They do return a good amount of experience on the offensive line as well as the defensive line. So I, I'm not sure how talented this group, this Arizona Wildcat team will be, but they return a lot and it's going to be a, a tough, uh, tough challenge for Utah in this game. I still think Utah has more talent and they they'll be able to win this one. Um, but Arizona is going to present a challenge for Utah, no doubt. But I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm taking a look at, he was a three-star kid, but you know, I wouldn't read a ton into that. Yeah. Uh, he had offers from Alabama, uh, yep. LSU, Ohio State, Texas A&M, just about every SEC school you can name. Uh, throw in Central Arkansas, bless their cotton socks. They decided to offer him as well. Florida State, Georgia. I mean, like, come on. We're, yep. we're talking about some of the biggest programs in college football. Uh, Michigan, uh, Nebraska. So Oregon was in there. Oklahoma yep. State's been pretty good as of late when it comes to the quarterback play. So, we're talking about a kid that has had has you has a lot of had a lot of offers. I mean, like goodness yeah. gracious, that's that's more offers when you when you, when you when I click on a kind of a, a recruiting profile. You know, I, I generally anticipate seeing maybe ten offers, uh, especially kind of a three star kid. But I mean, this guy's got uh, a multitude yeah. of of offers, uh, and 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 he had some decisions to make uh, back in his high school days out of Texas. Uh, we know how much Texans love their football. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think this is a, a, a perfect first game for Utah, Steve. Yep. I, I really do. I think Utah should win, uh, but I think they will be tested at points of the game. Uh, and, and I certainly think they're going to have to earn their stripes if they do end up coming away victorious. It's not going to be uh, kind of uh, Weber State or a Southern Utah or an, or an Idaho State. It's not going to be a game where you can kind of go in, you know, blindfolded and still come away with a victory. They're going to they're gonna have to they're going to have to really uh, dig deep uh, and 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 kind of figure out what they're all about. Uh, but I do think Utah's the more talented team, despite uh, the youth on the defensive side. Yeah. So uh, this is this is a good test for Utah come week one i don't think it's going to be um as easy as maybe some of the fans out there anticipate you see arizona over the last handful of years and you go okay win you know they've just been an absolute cluster uh when it comes to their football program under kevin sumlin uh but but i think uh grant gunnell offers uh, plenty for the wildcats and and this will be a fun test you know which is which is exciting for utah fans hopefully you know you want to you want to learn more about this team and by you know, the way you learn more about this team and seeing how they, they handle pressure situations and tight ball games. And, uh, and so, and so, I mean, I'm, I can't wait. Yeah, no, it's it, it, diving into this team and taking a closer look at them. It's, you definitely kind of have your eyes open to the fact of what they have in their program. Utah's dominated in this, uh, in this matchup over the last few years. Um, you know, they've, they've had their way with Arizona and I think there's plenty of confidence in Utah's ability to win this year, but it's going to be a tough challenge. Arizona has, uh, they've got the right pieces. They've lost some key pieces on the defensive side of the ball at linebacker. They lost 
two of their starting linebackers who were going to be, uh, you know, two of the top producers in the conference in Tony Fields and, and Colin Schooler. Um, and so that's kind of a weak point. And when you look at what Utah has on the offensive side of the ball, you know, with the tight ends, with the running backs and the offensive line, that's an area that Utah is going to be able to, to really take advantage of. They've got a, Arizona has a new defensive coordinator uh, that is installing a new scheme. They're transitioning from a four-two-five to a three-four, and with those those uh, two linebackers that have transferred out of Arizona, that's left Arizona really thin at the position. Uh, they're probably going to have to rely on a couple of walk-on players, and so that's certainly an area that again Utah can take advantage of. Arizona does return a couple cornerbacks. Um, that started games for them last year. Uh, but these are, are still players that, you know, you look at the matchup between uh, Brian Thompson, Solomon Enos, Britton Covey, and, and you, you're going to give that edge to Utah as well there. So uh, again, like we've said, this is going to be a tougher challenge than I think many people expect heading into it. Uh, Arizona has, uh, they don't have a lot of pieces, but they have some key pieces that'll make this a challenging game for Utah. But again, Utah just has more talent. They've got, you know, a system. They've got a process, and uh, and they'll be prepared uh, for this game. Still expect Utah to win, and they should win, you know, comfortably. I think maybe not as dominantly as they have over the last few years, but I think that they'll win, um, uh, win this game in in, in two weeks. Awesome. Uh, something that just kind of triggered my mind uh, as we've talked about the Arizona matchup, the offense, the defense for Utah as we build and prepare towards that fixture on uh, November 7th. You know, I, I, I've never seen a Utah team where the offense is actually better than the defense, which is, and I've it's now be been, I, I've been here eight years. You know, I've been here like a decent amount of time at this point. Yeah. I'm no newbie anymore to, uh, to Utah, um, I, I'm ex- I'm excited to see how the Utah offense goes about it because they they're going to be tasked with winning football games. And, and look, yeah. they, they they've obviously been tasked in the past with winning football games. But if things weren't going well for Utah offensively early in a ball game, you know, generally you can rely on the defense to make a play or get a few stops and just keep the team in the contest. But but I don't know, you know, maybe against Arizona they'll be able to do it, but certainly against the likes of USC uh, and the, you know, the, the strength of USC is that wide receiving core, obviously keeping Slotus at, Keaton Slotus at quarterbacks, a talent, formidable arm. Uh, you know, if Utah can't score against USC, and I know I'm looking ahead, so I apologize. You know, I, I, I'm nervous about that, that, that young secondary going up against, you know, that, that sort of offensive firepower that right. the Trojans have in 2020. So this Utah offense is going to be tasked, Steve, with with making plays and making plays early and putting the team in a position to win a ball game. And uh, they don't have series or, or, or time to 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 say, you know what, we'll start we'll start in the second quarter, like they have, yeah. you know, since I've been around from uh, from about 2012 onwards. So um, anyway, hey, there, there's um there's there's some tight end news that was brought up today in the zoom fill us in with uh, the happenings of, of whatever that's all about. So Utah's most recent addition to the program, Dalton Kincaid uh, joined the program in August. Uh, and he comes from the university of San Diego. Uh, that's not the Aztecs. It's not the mountain West conference, San Diego. It's the actual university of San Diego FCS program. 
they're a non-scholarship football program. So he was basically a non-scholarship athlete. He elected to come to Utah. And, you know, over the last two years while he was at San Diego, he was an APL American. He was just a tremendous talent and is on NFL radars. So pretty significant addition to the program. Uh, and Utah was through the roof to land him. They, they felt confident that he was going to provide a significant boost to the offense. Uh, but it sounds as though, and I asked Whittingham about Kincaid just because of, of all of that, right? He, he comes in as an AP All-American. He's on NFL radars. I was curious why we haven't heard more of him. Uh, and, you know, I asked Whittingham about Kincaid and what he's been able to do in practice. And, you know, he, he was, you know, he said, basically, he's made plays like he's looked great. Unfortunately, he's just not eligible right now to play. We're still waiting on the NCAA to approve, you know, his transfer and, and clear him to play. Uh, and Utah is working tirelessly uh, to to get that, to make that happen. And uh, just kind of an unfortunate thing. And it's interesting because he was at a walk-on program where they didn't have scholarships and, you know, he's got to transfer here and kind of go through the process. Uh, he's going to be Whittingham, you know, he's, he's been pretty uh, positive about the, the guys that have come into the program this off season. And that continued with Kincaid. He said, he's going to have a great career in his time here. He's going to, to prove uh, a lot of people and, and potentially reach that NFL potential. That's kind of the plan for him anyways, really high on him. He's clearly made a, a good impression in, in camp so far. It's just, again, he's not cleared by the NCAA to play at Utah, which uh, Utah fans and the NCAA have a great relationship over the last few years when it comes to transfers and, and what's happened there. Uh, the NCAA still sucks, yeah, cool. it sounds like. Yeah. Hey, uh, for those Utah fans that haven't quite had the chance to uh, to catch Kincaid's film, what sort of a tight end uh, is he, Steve? Is he more of the Brank Keithy? Is he is he more of Cole Fotheringham? Is he somewhere in between? What what if if and when he does eventually get cleared by the uh, the horrific NCAA? What, what what should we expect? Yeah, no, he's he's definitely kind of an in between type type guy between Cole Fotheringham and Brian Keithy. Great athleticism. Um, you know, he he grew up playing basketball. Was actually on a national championship winning AAU team um, with. Uh, UCLA point guard Tiger Campbell, so the, tremendous athlete, basketball player, and typically those basketball players transitioning to to football, you know the big guys end up at tight end, and you know there's a lot of there's a fantastic skill set to utilize there, uh, and so Kincaid wants to be a a true prototypical tight end where he's just as effective blocking as he is pass catching, but I would say. His game is built. His athleticism is built more towards being a receiving threat uh, than your traditional uh, inline tight end where he's utilized primarily as a blocker. And that's fantastic. He's a nice blend between Fotheringham and Keithy where he's got great athleticism. Six foot four, six foot five, right in there, 240 pounds, good frame, uh, can get vertical, just a really good athlete to add to the tight end room where you've already got Keithy, you've already got Fotheringham, you've got Yasmin, who's, you know, a, an athletic marvel for a, a player of his size. That's a really fantastic tight end room. And if Kincaid is 
is cleared and, and ready to go. I'd argue that Utah has the deepest and most talented tight end group in, in the conference and in the country. Wow. That's the more you explain uh, kind of what to expect with, with regards to King K, the more I started thinking about, you know, the Jake Murphy's of the world. Um, yeah. And Jake struggled at times when it came to blocking. Um, Jake, Jake didn't make the NFL because he didn't play a ton of special teams in college, which I know was, was a big regret of his. So uh, anywho, uh, we must say farewell, not to this podcast, but to TJ Green, Steve. Uh, thank you, TJ. If you're listening to, uh, to all of your many years of service here uh, at the program, uh, obviously he was a leader throughout the summer. When yeah. uh, when we talk about the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, he was bold, courageous, um, and and I hope Utah fans respect him more so for that really than anything else. Uh, yeah. It's intimidating, scary, uh, putting yourself out there talking about you know, such serious subjects that are affecting communities and societies around the country and the world for that matter. So uh, TJ was a highly touted recruit out of Arizona, four-star kid, if I'm not mistaken. Um, One of the best tailbacks in his class came to Utah, high expectations. And unfortunately, um, kind of the nature of the beast in college football, Steve, is, is he came when Zach Moss was, was around and, uh, you know, I, I remember a couple of years ago, he excelled. Zach was injured uh, or he got injured during the game. He excelled against Colorado in Colorado. Um, and you thought, wow, maybe this kid has, he hurdled, you know, a, def- a Buffalo defender at one point. And I thought, my goodness, maybe this is uh, the beginning of uh, the TJ Green era here at the University of Utah. Certainly want Zach to pass, but it just wasn't. Wasn't to be. I do believe uh, TJ will have success wherever he lands. Uh, I think uh, he is he is a talented player. There's no question. Yeah. Uh, but but obviously, sometimes uh, sometimes it's just not meant to be, is it? No, and and you know, to your point, TJ Green was was a great kid, great personality. Um, you know, I had a relationship with him since his recruitment, since before he joined the program, and he's always been a, a you know, a very polite kid, very thoughtful, very respectful. Uh, and uh, he's definitely one of those guys where his impact was felt more in the locker room than on the field. He made, and he's always going to be remembered for his contributions in that BYU uh, victory with Jason Shelley and their comeback because he played a key role in that too. And That's right. when you... When you make an impact in a game in that rivalry game, you're going to be remembered fondly of, uh, you know, and, and just he's always going to have a place in, in Utah history for his role in that game. And that's uh, that's a good thing. But uh, again, to your point, T.J. Green, the person is uh, just, if not more impressive uh, as a person, um, as a kid, uh, just was willing to do and, and lead um through such a, a difficult time, you know, over this, this past summer uh, with everything going on, you know, he stepped up as a leader uh, was there and available for his teammates. Um, and uh, just a great kid, a, a great, great kid. And he will, uh, he'll definitely find somewhere to play. And I'm excited to see where he ends up excited to see, you know, what he's able to do with a greater opportunity. He just, you know, uh, guys came into the program and this is, this is the nature of the business yeah. where, 
you know, you've got to step up and, and you got to make plays. And uh, unfortunately it's what you do on the field that, that oftentimes leads to these types of things. So uh, Utah's got a lot of talent in, in, in the running back room. Uh, there's a lot of optimism about what they have there. Uh, but without a doubt, they're going to miss TJ Green, uh, the person in the locker room, uh, tremendously. Every offseason, you're bound to lose, you know, a, a couple of players here or there. Yeah. And, and for the most part, you know, a lot of the players that depart the program aren't all, uh, yeah, I, the fan base just doesn't quite know much about them. They haven't seen much playing time. They've done maybe a few good things, got a bit of film together and made them feel as though that they can go out there and pursue um, pursue pursue their dream with another program. Uh, but boy, Steve, this year feels like Utah's lost a lot. Uh, Jason Shelley, who uh, who's the starting quarterback up there at, at Utah State now, getting ready to play Boise State on the road. That'll be a fun matchup this weekend uh, for you Utah football fans to, to keep an eye on because Jason Shelley is, is going to be at the helm of the Aggies. Uh, Devonta Henry Cole, he's kind of listed there as as the back. He's not the, the number one tailback yet. He's on the two deep, but I imagine he gets a number of reps uh, this weekend to try and prove his worth and, and maybe climb his way higher. Um, Jalen Dixon and then, of course, TJ Green. I mean, that, those four guys alone uh, – you know, could have had a real impact um, with Utah football this year, and um, and they lost it, which is which is okay. You know, Jason Shelley probably wouldn't have played quarterback. Let's be let's be frank. TJ Green wasn't getting reps. Uh, Devonta Henry Cole was going to be in the mix, but you know, as we talked about this year, it's it's going to be uh, a community based running back core. You know, a number of guys: Brumfield, Wilmore, the two you look at. Um, more so than anybody else, kind of interchanging at the tailback spot. And then I, I think Jalen Dixon's probably the number one guy you look at and you go, yeah, he was he was a starting slot receiver for Utah, uh, and he was somebody that was going to that was going to be asked to do a lot. Um, and so I, if I look at those four guys, I probably say t- uh, Jalen Dixon's the one that, that that's going to hurt the most. But fortunately, Utah's as deep at wide receiver this year as they have ever been under Carl Whittingham. So uh, maybe, maybe it wasn't as big of a loss as, as we may first thought. We will we'll have to wait and see. But, uh, but boy, there are question marks, and uh, we need answers, and those answers are coming, Steve. We're just yeah. we're on a timeline at the minute, and uh, it's exciting, I think, for Utah fans to just you know, sit back, enjoy camp, try and you know, take in as much as you can. Hey, by the way, they sent out, they sent out some tape of the scrimmage. They did. They did. They I heard, heard you. Oh, I don't know that if they was heard nasty. Man. Oh, they heard you. I know that. They was heard that the, you. Was that the first tape they'd sent out all, all, all camp? First highlight clip of camp. And then they sent out another one the other day. Yeah, so it's is, like, I know, I know you you speaking up and using your voice uh, was, was a big factor in that. I, I don't know if that if that's actually what it was, but that's what I believe. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that was what it was either but but i was pretty happy and chuffed with myself when i saw that tape i was like hmm okay we're on to something now all right yeah you know, we yeah we can work together well, again you know i like this that that's fine this is what it is a little yeah. bit of tape and we talked about it you guys choose yeah. the clips you want to put on the tape and that's we'll it. roll with it that's yeah. it yeah half of them were just the quarterback's throwing. we didn't even see if the receiver caught it you know, yeah. it was just quarterback. Th- like, that's great. And I'm still, I'm super hyped. Yes. I don't care if the, yeah, 
Yeah, we at this point we don't care if the receiver catches it. Just let's see yeah, the no, let's, let's see the, the action, baby. I just want to see him throw. Yeah, let's that's get it. that shoulder turning. All, all right, you know, um, snap the ball. That's all I need to see. Just give yes. me that. We'll snap the ball. I like that. I uh, I was happy with that. Hey, tomorrow's a big scrimmage. Um, really big scrimmage. Uh, really, as camp goes on, the scrimmages get bigger and bigger. Um, uh, for obvious reason, I don't think I need to explain. But tomorrow's as big of a scrimmage as Utah football has had since their last game uh, occurred down there in in, in Texas. Um, and so and so, I'm excited to kind of hear and and figure out exactly how it all goes down. Uh, I'm sure you are as well, Steve. Uh, if you don't follow Steve, please do so. You can check him out on Twitter at sbartle247. Is that correct? Yes. Good. And you can there check you me out at Tom Can't Hack It. Our beloved sponsors are Nate Wade Subaru, and they do more for the community than you will ever realize. So please do yourself a favor. Head on down. It's 1207 South Main Street. Uh, say good day to Kirk. Carly, the rest of the gang, Dan, you name it, they're all there. Uh, free popcorn, free free uh, apple juice uh, cartons yeah. is, I guess, what yeah. you'd call that. Wow. Yeah. And are they Juice-bot. good? Juice yeah. pop. Thank you, Steve. Uh, and just tell them we say g'day, we're here, because uh, they're good people, and there's a reason you see so many Subarus on the road. It is Nate Wade Subaru. Um, snow's just around the corner. Can you hey? Can you believe it's a, it's meant to snow this upcoming Sunday? I literally just looked up the weather while you <laughs> literally looking up. It's thirty seven degrees, Tom. I'm not ready for this. It's freezing. Was, it's so cold. It just yesterday, I was like golfing. It was sunny. It was like fifty degrees, and all of a sudden, it's thirty seven. What the heck, man? Yeah, this is, no. this is not great. No, no, no. This is bad. This is bad for your golfing endeavor uh, and mine. Uh, which is why I'm going down to Mesquite in a couple weeks uh, cool. because I said I'm hitting golf balls and I'm doing it in some nice weather. Anyway, yeah, it's meant to snow this Sunday. That is not absurd, ready. man. Not ready. Yeah, I mean, come on. I don't know how to winterize my home. I'm just going to let these pipes freeze and burst. Next thing I know, I'll be, you know, uh, char- someone will charge me a couple grand to, oh, dearing me. Anyway. Not great, man. If you have tips on how to winterize your home, shoot them through. Now Tom can't hack it. Or just shooting through Steve. He'll pass them on. I don't mind. That's about yeah, 247. Hey, Steve, it's been a pleasure. Enjoy your weekend, man. And uh, <laughs> we'll be back next week continuing to talk uh, about the happenings of, of Utah football as they're in camp. Hopefully we get some quarterback uh, insight following tomorrow's scrimmage. Steve, as always, dog, be well. And uh, let lovely Kendra, we all send our love. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? 
That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.